All right, well, if you're just joining us, um, we are on the third and final week of our kind of fall focus series called See the Good. And what does this mean? It means that we believe that God wants us as his people to see the world through the lens of his goodness. That we would no longer live with limited vision or perspective based on what's reasonable or practical or even realistic, but rather we would see the good in every season. That we would believe beyond the veil of our human experience and claim the promise that God has given us. And this is the promise, that regardless of where you've been, what you've done, what you know or you don't, the promise is that God loves you. And if you're with him, then he promises to make all things work together for his glory and for your good. God will make all things good in one way or another. So it's up to us to be, really to begin to see that good, even if it's not here yet. To be a people of informed optimism toward God, toward our circumstances, and, um, and in what we're going to be talking about today, toward one another. Toward one another. And a message I like to call, see the good in every story. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. See the good in every story. Because we all have a story. Yeah, Pastor David, we all have a story. We all have moments. We all have memories, days, weeks, months, years, decades of experiences that have formed us into who we are today. We all have a story that's still being written but still have these chapters that define seasons and situations with page upon page of complexity to inform how we navigate the world, pages that, that, that inform how we decide what's real, pages in our story that determine our convictions and our cultural norms and our favorite foods and the music we sing in the shower and what teams we cheer for on Sunday. We have these pages that reveal who we love and how we love and how we vote and what we believe to be true about justice and morality and even more so what we confess to be true about God. We all have a story. No one here woke up without one. And so just take a minute to think back on yours, on where you've been, some of the good times, some of the seasons that have gone on to define you and what you care about, the key moments that have made you who you are. Now, now dig real deep, and this should, this should be fun. I, it's easy to remember sometimes the good, but, but now I want you to remember some of the really dumb things you've done. Doug's like, easy. Got a whole journal. Think back for a moment on some of the, some of the dumb things you've done. Some of the things you've done that maybe hurt yourself or hurt others. Things that things that you've done that you believed were permanent and defined you deep at the core of who you are. I, I think we all have moments and memories that we'd rather not live again or remember. We all have pages that we'd like to redact, right? Where, where the burdens of life were just too intense or the seduction of self was too great, where fear consumed us. We've all got those things, some more extreme than others, but we all have them. In every story, there are things that frame us and disqualify us or limit us from God and one another. In every story, there are things that hold us back from seeing and being the good that God saved us to be. For all have sinned and fall short 
of the glory of God. This is the human experience that we have all lived. Still, even with this reality, this ever-present reality of our inability to be independently good or to do good things, I I want you to know, in spite of all of it, God still chose to see the good in you. God still chose to see the good in you in spite of everything you've done. And check this out from Ephesians 1. This really says it right. It says that even before he who is God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Verse 6, so we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he, he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Now, what does this mean? It means that God saw the good in you before you were ever bad. God saw the good in you before you were ever bad, and he decided in advance to invest in your future before you ever let him down. He knew what could be and what would be and decided to do everything necessary to make your bad good before you even took a breath. To make your wrongs right and to free you from your future sin through the blood of Jesus before you were even born. Friends, God loved you and saw the good in you and decided that your story was worth redeeming, and so he did. If you're a Christian, then through the death and resurrection of Christ, you have been redeemed. You have been redeemed once and for all, and this is what he did. Why? It says in in, um, in verse 5, He did this so you might be adopted into his family and be welcomed at his table and in his house forever. Jesus saw the good in you, in all of you and in every story, and he did this without limits and without conditions. But even though it was without limit and without condition, this is is perfect love poured out for us. Even though it was perfect, he, he still did it with the expectation that we, his loved, redeemed people, might go and do the same that we might do the same, that just like Jesus did for us, we would choose to see the future good in others too. In every heart, in every life, in every season, to see the good of what God might do in every single story. Which I know, I, I know in theory sounds really obvious. Like we know the Bible. Most of us have read a lot of these passages. We just sang about it all morning. We know what God can do. And we know that God so loves the world. We get that. But y'all, in our everyday life, it can be super hard for us to see the good in others. It can be really challenging to see the good, especially in certain types of others. We live in a world that might be the most polarized time in the history of the world. And there are a lot of factors for this, from 24-hour news networks to the rise of social media to living in a season, a generation of prosperity which created a culture of entitlement to really just the enemy working overtime 
to convince society to eat from the tree again. There are so many variables for why we're pulling ourselves apart, but the one thing we can say for certain is that the observable reality of our world is spinning further and further away from center. It's becoming harder and harder for people, both in and outside of the church, to see the future good in people that are different than them, in people that have different stories, in people that have different beliefs, people that have different political affiliations, people that, have, that love different or vote different or have different views on faith or science or gender or sex or money or war or the environment or you fill in the blank. The divide is growing. The divide is growing. Frustration is growing. We're on both sides of the aisle or issue. The other is being demonized, seen as an enemy at worst, lost cause at best. In, in fact, check this out. Just a few, just a few years back, I was, um, I was home with the kids. It was a Friday, peak 2020. I know that a lot of us have tried to block that out of our brains, but it was peak 2020 when I started hearing shouting in the backyard. And just a bit of context, I live right behind the In-N-Out on Foothill. Yeah, it's amazing. It smells good all the time. You go in the backyard, it's just like, I feel like we can eat fries without eating them. It's just a smell, but... But back in 2020, that the corner there of Foothill and Lowell, you might remember it, um, it became the staging ground for these two opposing groups of people. On one side of the street was like the Trump 2020 crew. On the other side of the street was the Black Lives Matter protesters. And for months, they would show up every Friday and, and try not so much to convince or to win people over, but rather to just condemn and to demonize the other side of the street. It's like there was zero capacity to see any good in the stories on the opposite sidewalk. And for a while, every Friday, we just got used to it, you know? Like, when, when one crew started getting a little bit rowdy, they'd like rev up their engines, and when the other side started getting, they started, anyway, it was, it was a mess. But as the season progressed, and as both parties grew further and further apart, one day it actually reached this boiling port, um, point of frustration. And you can kind of see, I got a picture for you on the street. And this was actually the beginning. This was before they started doing tear gas and shooting the beanbags. And all those folks at In-N-Out that just wanted a burger, right? They were stuck in the drive-through as like 50 cop cars came around them. You can clear that for a second. And so I'm sitting, in my, I'm sitting in my living room and I heard shouting from the backyard and then helicopters and what sounded like gunshots. And so I go and look over the fence and I see these two parties leave their, their sidewalks to literally take over the street. The police came, and it was totally nuts. And I, and I know that this particular moment only happened once, and there were a lot of factors at play, but y'all, this is how stretched our world has become. And even if we're not fighting in the street, this growing polarization where we dismiss every story that isn't in our cultural library, this polarization is trying to form us into people that isolate and insulate. And I get it. I get that there's passion. I get that there's preference. I get that there's opinions. And I, and I get that, that this polarization can happen out there. But the real tragedy is how what's happening out there is affecting what's happening in here. And what's happening out there is affecting the church, where those, even those with a deep love for Jesus, often fail to see what could be in others fail to see the future good from God's goodness, calling out to others to redeem their story just like he redeemed ours. 
where instead of believing what Jesus might do in them, we, we begin to naturally assume the worst in those who might see things different, completely neglecting what we see in Ephesians chapter 1. And I want you to know that I'm not pointing any fingers here, because we're all affected by this tendency at some degree or another. We're all affected by this tendency to not see people as future carriers of God's goodness, but rather as some that are too lost to be saved. We all make assumptions, friends, of others that God didn't make of us. Assumptions that prevent us from seeing the future good in their story. And while these assumptions might seem totally reasonable to the world, I'm here to remind you that if you're a Christian, then you have been given new eyes. You have been given a new baseline for what's possible and what's true in the world. Your vision is no longer limited by the things of the world because you have been given the Holy Spirit as a guide. A guide to see beyond the story so far and into where their pages might go with God's goodness. You have been given the ability to see the good in every story, and you must you must if you're to remain faithful to your confession to Christ. He wants you to see others the way he saw you. As future carriers of his glory out in the world, whom he chose in advance. And we can, and so we must. But, but all that said, as we think about these moments on the macro, we think about the moments on the micro. The question is, how can we get there in this ever-dividing world of us versus them? How can we see the good in every life and every story for his glory and their good? Well, let's find out. But quickly, um, in case it wasn't clear, uh, when I say, for the rest of the message, when I say something like them or others, I want you to know that those terms are intended to include everyone and anyone. Anyone and everyone that you might love, but also anyone and everyone that you might find challenging to love and to see the good in anyone and everyone that you find hard to honor and assume the best in. This can be as extreme as a foreign dictator taking over a country or the kid that drives you nuts in the morning, okay? It can be someone uh, as, as, um, as extreme as someone who, like, hurt you deeply or someone who just cut you off in traffic. That is the them that we are talking about. It's anyone and everyone that you don't see like Jesus does. So let's see, how, how can we find the future good in them, in others, and in every story? All right, well, I've got two kind of simple thoughts I'd like to throw past you immediately, and we'll build upon them. Um, but if you're taking notes, you can write these down. If you want to see the good in others, you must first set your sights, and then you need to bless everyone. And we've got a lot of Bible coming up, and so if you're taking notes, you run out of room, get your phone out, take some pictures if you need to. But set your sights, and then choose to bless everyone. Let's start with set your sights. I know we're not supposed to have favorites, but I think my favorite book in the New Testament is the book of Colossians. And, um, and, and chapter 3 starts by saying this. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ. Now what does this mean? It means that since your story has been redeemed by the saving work of Jesus, even when you didn't deserve it and you did nothing to earn it, since you have been raised to this new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand, think about the things of heaven, not 
the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Now, what is Paul getting at here? Well, much like our point last week of fixing our thoughts on his goodness, Paul is saying the same again. He's saying we must set our sights on the things of heaven, the realities of, of heaven, because you died to this life, and you have now been raised to a new life in Christ. Your, your focus, your vision has changed you have been given new eyes to see this world through that lens, through the lens of heaven. And this is now your natural or maybe supernatural perspective that you have. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Think about his goodness, not, not the things of your preferences. Think about his grace, not about your frustrations. Think about his redemption, not your opinions. Are you with me, friends? If you want to see the good in others, it starts by focusing on Jesus and what he has done. And what has he done? Check this out from Romans 5. It says this, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. This is it. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his, what, enemies, while we were still on the other side of the street, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Did you catch that? This is so good. When we were the other, when we were them, when we were the enemy, when we were sinners, Christ came at just the right time to rewrite our ending. He came and made us right in God's sight to save us from God's condemnation. He restored our friendship when we were still his enemies, and now we can rejoice in our wonderful new life with him. I love this. He came to us. He saw us. He loved us when we had nothing to offer. When we had nothing to offer. He chose to come and make us good before we were ever bad, knowing we would be bad and it was all for love. It was all for love, and it was all for family. So Paul is saying here, he's saying, set your sights on his goodness. Set your sights on his goodness. Set your sights on this reality of heaven that you have been adopted into. Set your sights on what he has done, and allow what you see, and what you remember, and what you experience to give you fresh eyes toward others. Reminds me of a story in the book of Acts, chapter 9. It picks up with a guy named Saul. Some of you might call the writer of most of our scriptures that we're reading today. But it picks up with Saul before he was redeemed by Christ. Acts, chapter 9, and verse 1, it talks about Saul's bitterness towards the church. He saw them as his enemies. He was on one side of the street, and they were on the other. They saw, he saw them as a threat to his faith, and so he went out of his way to stop them. He got a permission from the religious leaders of the day to go and arrest all Christians and send them back to Jerusalem in chains to be tried 
essentially for treason. And so this is what we see in verse 3. It says, it says this. This is the backstory. It says, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind, so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there, he re he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Well, this is where it gets interesting. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias, yes, the Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. And this is it. But Lord... But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done. I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So, verse 17, this is in. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, here's the story. So there's Saul, worst kind of guy, right? Enemy of God. Big time enemy of the church. But even then, even then, God saw the good in his future story. Even then. So Jesus stops him in his tracks and called Saul to himself. In this moment, Acts chapter 9, Jesus injects his goodness into the scene, into the worst possible moment. And all of a sudden, Saul, a.k.a. Paul, his story was redeemed. And it wasn't a safe bet, right? It wasn't even a good idea from our human perspective. But God saw the good in Paul and said it was worth it. Now from there, again, it gets wilder because imagine being Ananias for a moment, a Christian man in Damascus. As he set his sights on the realities of heaven, God speaks to him in prayer and says, hey, Ananias, so there's this guy. Um, you might have heard of him. This guy hanging out, his name is Saul. Yeah, yeah, he killed Stephen a chapter before. Yep, he arrested a bunch of your buddies, probably. Yep, arresting Christians, probably coming for you next. Well, well, I called to him on the road, and I saved him. And now I want you to go to him. Tell me, how do you think that request from God would sit with you? Probably much like we see in Ananias' reaction, right? It's, but Lord, Saul is the worst Saul is beyond repair. He is our enemy. How could you possibly ask me to go to him? But the Lord said, go. I chose Paul before the foundations of the earth. I chose him to take my message to the world. And so what did Ananias do? He went. He went. 
Back to the scripture, Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ananias found him, laid hands on him, and called him family. Called him brother. Now, now think back to all the people in your life that might have wronged you. Think back to all the people that, that you might consider them or other, the strangers you might see. Think back to all the people that you're afraid of or the people that drive you crazy. God wants you to see the future good in them. And then he wants, ideally, for you to call them future siblings in the family of God. Just like Ananias to Saul, this is the expectation God has for his people. But the only way you can do that is if you're looking through the lens of heaven. So Paul the redeemed, the one who Ananias saw, he says in, in Colossians, he says, set your sights on the things of heaven. Set your sights on him, Jesus, who loved you even in the craziest mess of your story. Set your sights on him, Jesus, and his goodness that saved you and brought you into this new paradigm, this new reality of seeing the world. Don't think about the things of earth and all the ways they don't deserve your positive assumption. Don't think of the things of earth and all the ways they don't deserve your compassion. Now you need to choose to see people like God saw you before you believed. To see the future good in every story. So set your sights on what could be even in your enemy. And then when you do, this is number two, you need to ask God to bless them. To bless everyone with God's goodness. Not because they deserve it, but because you know you didn't deserve it, and yet God gave it anyway. Choose to bless everyone in every story. I love how Jesus drives us home in Luke chapter 6, our opening scripture. He says this one more time. Buckle up, everybody. He says, But to you who are willing to listen, I say love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. If any, give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. This is it. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Friends, if you want to be shown mercy, then show mercy. If you want to be treated kindly, then be kind. If you want to have someone assume the best about you, then you need to start assuming the best in others. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Because if you only love those who love you, what should, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. Jump down to verse 35. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. And this is it. Choose to bless, to see the good in every story. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly, truly be acting as children of the Lord Most High, for he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. And this, 
was the expectation we talked about at the beginning here, that God did everything for you. God did everything for you, and his only ask is that you would do the same for others. That you would be compassionate to others as your Father in heaven has been compassionate to you. That you would choose to bless others just like God chose to bless you. And once again, I love how Jesus leaves no room for excuses here. He's saying if someone hates you, go do good to bless them. If someone curses you, choose to bless them. If someone hurts you, pray blessing over them. If someone hits you, don't retaliate. Offer the other cheek and ask God to bless their life. Are you catching a pattern here? Jesus is saying, everything you saw me do, now it's your turn. Now it's your turn as you've been given this new life with me where the realities of heaven now define you. It's time for you to reflect that kingdom out into the world. To end everyone and every story, you need to ask God to bless them. Bless everyone. Bless everyone. To your boss who passes you over on promotions. To your teacher who grades you harder than everyone else. To your ex-wife who cheated or your ex-husband who left. Ask God to bless them. What about your friend who didn't have your back or the stranger who picked a fight? Ask God to bless them too. Let me keep on going. This is fun. To your elected officials, guys, that are pulling this country farther and farther away from truth or the inmates Inmates locked up in prison for hate crimes. What about the meter cop who gave you a ticket as you were walking up? I know you know that's like. Or the kid who picks on your kid at school, or the person who hit your car and drove away, or, or, or. In every season and every story, ask God to bless them. This is the way of Jesus, and the only chance you got to fully see the good in this life. Because while you can't control what others do to you or how they see you or treat you as redeemed people, you still have the agency and authority to proactively call down heaven into their life. You still have the ability to show God's goodness through the way you respond and assume the best. You have been given the power. You have everything you need to see the good in everyone. And then ask God's goodness to pen a better ending to their story by making their story our story. Because with Jesus, no one is too lost to be found. With Jesus, no one is too blind to see his goodness. With Jesus, no one is too far gone to be welcomed to his table that is always said. So hear me when I say, if they are good enough for God to save, they are good enough for us to bless. Set your sights on the realities of heaven and ask God to bless everyone with his goodness, his presence, his mercy, his kindness, his truth, his love, his forgiveness, and his redemption. Bless everyone. This is how we see the good in every story. Amen. Now, as we wrap this up, as we wrap this up today and really this opening focus for the year, ministry year, as we wrap this up today, knowing full well this perspective might not always come natural for some, here's the challenge because I get it, I really do. I get that this is a challenge. In fact, on Friday, so I'm working on my message on Friday, 
and I decide to bring Becca some lunch as she's getting her hair done. With, she just looks so beautiful. I don't know where you are, but hopefully you're in here somewhere. But anyway, I was on my way to bring her some lunch as she's getting her hair done, but on the way back, there was this little car, just this little car, just kind of riding the truck in front of him. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't even affecting me. Well, I was behind. It didn't even matter to me at all, but he was right on the bumper of the car in front, swerving, trying to get around, and y'all, I was so annoyed. I was so annoyed. I start thinking, man, what a jerk. Can you believe this guy? Man, what are you doing? And, and he eventually, this is wild, so he eventually kind of cut over and then cut around, and as he did, he rolled down the window and stuck his hand out. You know what I'm saying? Anyone ever see this? No? He gave everyone the finger only to get stuck at the next light a block later. And all the cars, okay, that he had just said hello to were now surrounding him. It was wild. But I remember sitting there, you know, a couple cars back thinking, yeah, get them, guys. But then I felt this conviction from the Lord, right? I felt this conviction from the Lord say, come on, David, you are such an idiot. You don't know him. You don't know his story. And I felt this one phrase, he is in the world I so love. And so sitting at the light, I say, you're right, God. Bless that little annoying car with your goodness. <laughs> and I'll do it again right now. Jesus, whoever that man is, I ask that you would make yourself known to him today. Draw near to him, draw near to his heart, and open his eyes to your goodness. Bless everyone. But all that said, I get that this might take some time to do, because we're all still human. We all still feel. This side of heaven, we all still fear. We all still experience all sorts of garbage that keeps us from seeing people like God does. Still, if we are to be faithful to our confession, and that's why you're here, because you have made a confession to Jesus, and you want to grow in your ability of, to be faithful and obedient. But if we're to be faithful to our confession, we must see the good in their story. So here's the challenge. In the coming week, I challenge you to start every day by asking God to give you eyes to see people like he does. Every day to set your sights on the realities of heaven. Start every day with this. God, help me see people like you do. Your friends, your family, your teacher, your boss, the strangers, the guy in the car. God, help me see people like you do. And then when you actually see people, nice people, hard people, and not challenging people, I mean, in that moment of assessment, follow it up by, God, please bless them with your goodness. Help them see the good in every story. So here's the, the two-part challenge. Start your day with, God, help me see people like you do. And then in your day, in those moments where you find yourself critical, when you find yourself condemning or even lightly judgmental, maybe just plain frustrated, whatever it is, ask God to bless them with his goodness. Help them see, help the other, help them see the good in every story. Bless everyone. And when you do, here's the deal. When you do, I promise you, your perspective will change. It will. The more you ask God to bless those people, the more you begin to see those people like God does. 
and the more you'll begin to realize that we're all the world God so loves. We're all a story that God wants to redeem for his glory. We've, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all got a beginning that we didn't choose. We've all got a middle we're making the most of. And we've all got an end that is still to come, but one that Jesus wants to rewrite for our good. So let us be a church, friends, that chooses to see the good in every story, recognizing first the future good God saw in ours. And let us be a church that sets our sights on him, the realities of heaven, and allow what we see to create in us fresh eyes for the world that God so loves. And finally, let us be a church that blesses everyone. Wouldn't that be amazing if, if our reputation here at Highlands was that we are a church that blesses. We are a church that sees the good. We are a church that blesses everyone by asking God's goodness to come and invade their hearts for everyone that God puts in our way. And it's all so the world might know what God is like. Amen? It's also the world might know and believe and be saved, so the lost might be found and the found might live free. Let us be a free people. Let us be a found free people that see the good in every season and in every story. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to pray for you, and then we are going to be dismissed and hopefully go do something fun together. But uh, I just want to pray for you specifically, anyone that's holding on to things that need to be let go of, anyone that that is just holding so tightly to frustration or fear or anger, whatever it might be that's holding us back from seeing the good in others. I want to pray specifically for you, and if if, if that's not you today, then I need you to pray along with me for those that are facing this today. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful that you saw us before we were even bad and decided to welcome us into your house. We're so grateful, God, that you saw the future good in us and you've called us to now see the future good in others. But God, I'm here to, today as a representative of this congregation, God, when I say that it's hard to look past failure, it's hard to look past seasons of frustration, it's hard to look past those moments uh, where we saw someone or experienced something that harmed us or hurt us or affected us. God, it's hard, and so God, I ask that your spirit would come right now and supernaturally remove our frustration today. God, that you would supernaturally remove our angst, that you'd supernaturally remove our cynicism. God, that your spirit would come and bring peace and joy and kindness into this community so we might be able to see people and situations and see you with fresh eyes, that we might see the good of what you might do next. And so, God, if there's anyone in the house today that needs to be released of their burden, God, we ask that you would meet them. We ask that you would meet them in their pain, in their frustration. We ask them that, that you would meet them in their fear and in their failure. God, we ask that you'd meet them in their addiction, in their anger, whatever it might be, God. We ask that your spirit would come and that you would cleanse them, that you'd cleanse all of us today in your name so we might be able to see the good that you're going to do next. Because, God, this is the expectation, right? You want us to be your carriers of glory and goodness out in the world. So, God, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our minds, 
Be with us again, God, as you lead us into what's next. Jesus, I'm so grateful for this church. I'm so grateful for a church that wants to be faithful. I'm so grateful for a church that wants to know you more and love you. We ask now that, that you would just lead us as we go. God, that we would feel lighter in your name. God, that we would truly embrace the grace and the redemption that you died to give us. As you're now rewriting our story for the good. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for everything that you've done. And it's in your name that we pray and we all said, amen. Amen.